My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Welcome and thank you for listening to Faith 168 Podcast. If you feel that this podcast has been helpful for you, we ask that you consider writing a review for us on whatever streaming service you're listening through. We'd greatly appreciate that. Now, last week we said there were going to be a few changes because Brother Rob is taking a break until August so that he can focus more on his family and his schooling. But I'm excited to be hosting the Faith 168 podcast with Brother Brandon. He is a good friend of mine and Rob's, and he's an excellent pastor. And I would, of course, never say that to his face. But Brother Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Brother Christian, thank you so much for having me. I am extremely thankful to be joining the Faith 168 podcast. And I I look forward with great anticipation to studying God's Word together so that we can fuel our faith for every hour of the week. Now, we're going to fuel our faith this week by getting into the epistle of James. We're going to be looking at James chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, where James continues to deal with authentic faith. That's what this letter is all about. He's talking about real deal Christians. He's dealing with Christianity where the rubber meets the road. And in this passage of scripture, James deals with the pernicious sin of partiality. Now, this is a sneaky sin that we don't often talk about, but according to James, partiality is something that must be absent from the lives of genuine believers. So let's get into talking about the subject of partiality as James deals with it in this passage. The first thing we want to see real quickly is simply what it is, the sin of partiality. And we're going to begin by looking at verses 1 to 4. And I want to start by reading this text of scripture. He begins in verse 1 saying this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, this is a sin that kind of seems foreign to our lives. It's like, man, true, genuine Christians would never do anything like this. Right. But... The fact that he begins this passage addressing the brothers, addressing true believers, means that this sneaky sin can sometimes find its way into our lives. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about what this means and how we can be sure to eliminate it if it ever shows up. Again, as I said first, he directly exhorts believers talking to genuine Christians, and that is clear by him saying, my brothers. 
And the admonition he gives is very clear. It's very straightforward and simple to understand. He says, show no partiality. Whatever partiality is, he says, don't show it. Don't let it mark your life. Don't let it be found anywhere in your heart or in your conduct. Now, what is partiality exactly? Well, if you've never uh, understood what that means, it simply means favoritism, preferential treatment. Uh, partiality is treating people unequally, differently uh, based on external factors. And, of course, he gives an example of this to further illustrate what partiality means. He says, look, if a rich man comes into your church, he's wearing a gold ring, he's dressed in fine adornment, and you give all your attention to him, you give him the best seat in the house. But at the same time, if you got a poor man that comes in, he's in shabby clothing, you know, looks kind of looks kind of shabby and poor, and you treat him differently, then that's what partiality is. It's making a judgment on somebody based on external factors and treating them different in accordance. And so this is something, obviously, that James is warning us about. He doesn't want us to be marked by this. And he says we don't need to show partiality as we hold the faith. You know, if we have faith in Christ, if we believe that uh, Christ is our Lord and he's our Savior, then we should show no partiality while we do that. Um, now, we may ask, why would a genuine believer do this? Why would, a, would somebody who believes Christ, why would this ever take place in their lives? Well, there's many reasons why we might uh, treat people differently or show partiality. Uh, one reason might be to curry favor with somebody like the rich man. Uh, one, another reason to show partiality would be to save face. Maybe we don't want to be associated with somebody like the poor man in this passage. Mm -hmm. The Proverbs of old give us a reason as to why we might do this. In Proverbs 28, verse 21, Solomon said this, To show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread a man will do wrong. So he agrees with the Apostle James here, and he says partiality is not good. It doesn't need to mark the lives of the godly. But he says, if you think there's some advantage to it, if you are trying to curry favor or save face, you will do it. That's why he says, for a piece of bread, a man will do wrong. If, you think there's, if he thinks there's something in it for him, for a piece of bread, for some benefit, then he will show partiality. And so we have to be on guard against this sin because according to James, according to the writer of Proverbs, we are naturally given to it uh, because, you know, we do want to benefit ourselves. We do want to build ourselves up sometimes. Right. But the problem is such distinctions like this and such partiality should never be shown in the family of God where we are all equal. That's the real issue. See, God hasn't made any distinctions among us, and we shouldn't make any distinctions among ourselves. He's not shown partiality to us, and we shouldn't show partiality to members of the family of God. In fact, Paul even says in Galatians 3, verse 28, that in the church we are all on level ground 
whether we are rich or poor. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yep. All those distinctions are have been dissolved by the blood of Christ. There is no Jew or Greek anymore. There's no slave or free, male and female. We're all one big family sharing one heavenly father. And James also says here that if we show this partiality, we've put ourselves on a pedestal where we really don't belong. So James doesn't beat around the bush here. He gets right to the point. He tells us straight like it is. He says, you've made yourselves judges with evil thoughts. If you treat people differently in your congregation, if you treat one Christian differently than another, you've become a judge. You've you've made a false evaluation of a person's character based on what they possess or based on what kind of clothes they're wearing or uh, what they look like. It's an assumption that this rich man is better off and more virtuous than the poor man. And it's an assumption that says, well, maybe the poor man is more sinful than the rich man. And of course, oftentimes we find in the scripture that the opposite is true. Uh, The poor are often exalted above the rich in the word of God. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to think about here in regards to the sin of partiality. But Brother Christian is going to elaborate on this topic a little bit more with some further helpful explanation. So Brother Christian, take it away for us. Yeah, thanks, Brother Brandon. I really enjoyed what you had to say on that. And and just like you said, uh, we can't show favoritism as a Christian simply because God himself is impartial. And as we put on Christ Jesus, as that's shown to us through Scripture, when we follow him, we're really putting him on. We're, we're taking on the aspects of his life, his Holy Spirit, dwelling inside of us starts to conform us to the image of Christ. And if God is impartial, then we as Christians should follow in that example and be impartial. Uh, Paul writes this in Romans 2.11, for God shows no partiality. And if God shows no partiality, that's what we should show as well. That's what should be in our lives as well, that we're, we're fair that we don't take worldly things, which that's a big thing throughout Scripture as we're reading Scripture and, and discussing Scripture, that we're supposed to put worldly things aside. And we'll say that. We're, we're not materialistic people. We, don't, we treat everyone fairly. We're, we're not the judges. But how often do we just kind of get caught up into that and just out of nowhere become judges right start start judging people based on what they have and whatnot and, and it's hard to tell who the rich man is today because we have a completely different system than what James was used to because when someone had wealth at that time it was pretty apparent but now we have loans and whatnot like you might see me driving down the road I have a pretty decent car and you might look at me and say that I'm rich, but I had to borrow from a bank to get that car. I don't have that money to to buy that car. So I'm actually not rich whatsoever. And so it's kind of strange how we get into this understanding of materialistic things 
worldly possessions showing our wealth. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this as we read through this, but simply, first and foremost, God shows no partiality, shows no favoritism, so we shouldn't as well. And Paul talks to uh, people in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, five, verse 5 through 9, uh, he says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye services, people pleasers. That's a that's one reason that that we show partiality is we want to be people pleasers in some areas. And but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. And the message to the masters in verse 9, masters, do the same to them. And so we see these bond servants, these workers, these people enslaved to another person for whatever reason. The masters are brought to the same understanding. So bond servants do this, but in verse 9, masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And so you see that there's no separation based on worldly status when it comes to God's courts. We may show preference for people in our court systems, in our judicial system. For example, this is you know, understood that people that are rich and wealthy, say a movie star, goes out and commits a crime, do you think they're going to get the same punishment in our court as, say, I went out and did the same crime? No. In fact, there was this this song that I thought was uh, pretty funny when I was younger, and this guy was talking about how when he was poor, he needed more, but now that he's rich, he gets free coffee. Hmm. And so no one wanted to give him anything or help him out when he was poor, but then all of a sudden he became rich and famous and the singer and the, when he would walk into a place, they'd say, hey, here's a cup of coffee for free. It's on the house and he could afford it. He could pay for that cup yeah. of coffee finally, but they wanted to give it to him for free. And so there we see that partiality that's in the world, because if I go into a restaurant and Brother Brandon, we're, we're both pastors, we, we don't make a whole lot of money. So we, we work to get into that restaurant and have a nice meal every once in a while. But say one of these celebrities walks in, they're going to get some special treatment. They might get their meal completely paid for. And here we are. We still got to pay the bill right. at the end of the day. And, and so if you really want free stuff, become a celebrity. Uh, I guess yep, that's, that's the, the, point. the point. Yeah, yep. that's the point here in this <laughs> world. Uh, but another thing is to show favoritism, we take up the seat of judgment. And this actually sets up the table for many other points that uh, James will make as we continue reading. But we see in James chapter 412 that it says there's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And there's a lot of different ideas on what it means to judge our neighbor, but it, it goes into the same understanding. Who are we to differentiate between these people? Who are we to to exalt one above the other? Correct. And we can't take that seat of judgment 
for for a simple reason that in the eyes of God we are all sinners that have fallen short of his glory that needed salvation that the only way that we were able to obtain that salvation was not through our works or our good deeds because those all fell short but everyone that has come to salvation has been wiped clean in the blood of the lamb so we're all covered by the blood of the lamb when it comes to salvation when we put our faith in him so how can we look at any other person especially a brother when we're when we're talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ this James is kind of pointing out here as brother Brandon talked a little bit earlier that he's writing to brothers why why would you do this why would you lift anyone up above another and show that favoritism right there it doesn't make sense it shouldn't be in the church it shouldn't be in your life and I think we need to take a hard look in the mirror sometimes and say, are we doing this? Is this happening? And it doesn't mean that, hey, if you hang out with someone more than another person, that that's bad. But why are you showing preference to another person? What's the reason behind it? If it's because you like the same things, cool. But if it's because you're trying to gain their favor for your benefit to lead you forward and things like that, showing favoritism for gain is is horrible and leads to corruption within the congregation. So we need to just push it aside and make sure it's not in our lives at all. And the only way to do that is to wake up every day and make a conscious decision. I am not going to do that. But we go on verse 5 through 7. And James writes, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen uh, uh, the those who are poor in the world to be rich in their faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? And I think the first point we see here in this passage is that those who have chosen Christ over this world, they are truly rich. So many times we look to worldly possessions to feel rich. Who has the biggest house? Who has the nicest car? Who has the newest iPhone? Those are all things that we think determine what wealth is. But at the end of your life, that iPhone isn't going to matter. That house is not going to matter. Whatever car is you have is not going to matter. And really, at the end of this world, all of that stuff just goes away. And so is that really something to brag about? Is that really what determines wealth? Are, are these perishable things of the world? No. What determines wealth is the imperishable, the things that last forever. That has true value. And those that have put their faith in Christ, they have found themselves to be infinitely more rich than those of the world that that place emphasis on, on the materialistic possessions of this world to determine what wealth is. Amen. And we see something pretty cool that Paul says in first Corinthians chapter one, verse 27 through 29, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not 
to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And I can tell you without a doubt that the most valuable thing about me is not how handsome I am. Katie Katie really thinks I'm handsome. I, I have fooled her into that. But the most <laughs> valuable thing about me is Christ. And I can't get up on a Sunday morning and preach. I'm unable to do that of my own ability. That's why I have to, and, and I'm not saying, you know, outside of studying, I can't study and things like that and, and become prepared. I could study some things. I could get up there and go about it by my own means, but I would always fall short. I would never be able to do what God has called me to do without him being a part of it. So all my studying would be for naught, but I can't do the things that have happened in my life, uh, see the growth in some of the ministries that I've been involved in happen because of me. All of these things are because of God. And that why is that? He took a, a weak, poor little boy from a small little town where people looked at me as a little child and said, that's the dirty, rotten, ugly little kid to the side that has the messy hair and, and looks... You know, I looked really poor. I mean, I had clothes that didn't fit me. My my pants, uh, you know, the, the legs didn't go all the way down. Uh, but luckily, that became a style. But I still got made fun of, even though my pants were <laughs> kind of like capris after a while. But they took this poor little boy that even my teachers, some of my teachers would say, I know this boy is going to end up in prison one day. And I hope one of my teachers is, that has said that is listening to this today. Uh, so I can just say I made it. No, I didn't make it. God has brought me so far. He took someone that was weak and did something great. And that's value. That's what's valuable. I'm rich because I am weak and God has shown his strength in my life. And he can do the same thing in your life. And I think that there's another point that we have here in this passage is we've forgotten the poor and we've exalted the rich, which is crazy because we know that the way to go forward in this world and become successful in this world is you have to be a cutthroat. You have to be more vicious than the other person. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And most people that have attained a lot of wealth here in this world, they have done it through many different corrupt paths. And we complain about that. We, we sit in our friend groups as these poor people, right, and complain about the rich person. But then when the rich people show up and they say that they want the best seat and they want to be shown this partiality, then we give it to them and we get excited and we want that favor with them. And we bow down to their every will because we think that we're going to get some of that success when we bow down to them. But in doing that, we push away the people that have been there day after day for us, the ones that have prayed for us, the ones that showed up when we were sick, the ones that that helped us when we needed help in whatever areas of our life. And so it's, it's strange to think about how we exalt people that have really oppressed us and oppressed people who have really exalted us. Hmm. 
And that's all I got on that passage. Very good words, Brother Christian. Um, so James is really helpful here. He's not only defining and condemning this sin of partiality, he's showing us by this discussion of true riches what we ought to really value, what's really important. And when we understand what's truly valuable about a person, then we won't be so given to showing this sin of partiality. See, he's, he's taking us beyond the external factors, the outward appearances, the way a person looks and what they profess. He's taking us away from all of that to the heart, what really matters. And he does that, especially in verses 5 to 7, where he draws our attention to those who are truly rich, those who are rich in spiritual wealth, as Brother Christian elaborated already. And so again, that's another reason why we shouldn't be given to partiality or preferential treatment. Because there may be those who are physically poor, but spiritually rich. And there may be those who are physically wealthy, but spiritually poor. And so we have to be careful with those external judgments because we don't really know what's in a person's heart. Uh, somebody said before that the wealth of an individual is no measure of the worth of that individual. Uh, physical riches are not an indication of spiritual riches. And obviously, spiritual riches matter more. What matters is what's going on in the heart, how rich a person is in their blessings in Christ. Yeah. And so that's why we shouldn't make those distinctions or be given to this sin of partiality. Mm -hmm. And we might make a huge mistake if we uh, tend to judge people by appearances. In fact, I read a story about this not long ago where there was a man who entered a church in the Netherlands and he took a seat right near the front. And it seemed like he wasn't really dressed for the occasion. You know, he wasn't wearing anything royal or too nice. It was just plain clothes, you know. And there was a woman who walked down the aisle and she saw that he really didn't belong near the front based on what he was wearing. And in fact, she hap he happened to be sitting in her seat and so she kindly asked him to leave, and he quietly got up. He didn't protest or argue, and he moved to a section way in the back of the church that was normally where the poor folks sat. That's just the reality of things. And when church was over, a friend of this woman asked her if she knew the man that she had ordered out of her seat. She said, no, I didn't know who he was. It just seemed like he didn't belong up front. And then her friend informed her, the man you ordered out of your seat was King Oscar of Sweden. He was just here visiting the queen. Oh, and so, again, we have to be careful about those judgments that we make. Yeah. Um, in fact, the writer of Hebrews says that we need to be careful with the way we minister to others because we might be ministering to an angel unawares. Right. Somebody sent from heaven by God to evaluate our deeds and report them back to the Heavenly Father. We have to be sure that we treat all people, especially those in the family of God, equally. Right. And that's why James also tells us about the solution to this partiality in verses 8 to 13. See, again, the great thing about this passage is he doesn't just diagnose the problem. That would kind of leave us hanging a little bit. He right. diagnoses the problem and then gives us the prescription. He tells us how to overcome it. And James says, 
that the solution to overcoming the sin of partiality is to love all of God's people equally. Here's what he says in verses 8 to 11. He says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Mm -hmm. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. Now, James is approaching this pretty interestingly. Mm -hmm. He is answering an objection that we might have when it comes to treating the rich person better than the poor person. You remember that illustration, that anecdote he gave earlier about giving the rich man a better seat than the poor man. And the question may come up, well, what if the treatment of this rich man was really and truly an expression of love? What if you were trying to give him the best seat in the house because you wanted to honor and serve him? Well, James is saying, well, that's okay, because in that case, you're just loving your neighbor. As he says, you're doing well. You know, you're trying to serve him sacrificially. Right. But showing partiality is the opposite of loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. You see, because love is impartial. True Christian love is impartial. It's unprejudiced and Mm -hmm. unbiased. He's saying you're not going to treat people with partiality. You're not going to be biased towards your brothers and sisters in Christ if you're marked by this genuine, authentic love. If you're fulfilling that commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing well. Again, love is a level virtue. Okay, it's a it's a godly affection that is given in equal measure to everyone. If you show partiality, you're not showing love. And thus, here's the point, here's the point he's making. You're actually breaking God's law instead of fulfilling it. That's why James said as much. He says, but if you show partiality, this is verse 9, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Yes. So, one one objection is answered there. You know, what if we're trying to just treat this rich man well because we love him? He says, fine, you know, if it comes from a place of love, that's good, that's commendable. But just understand that true love will give the best seat in the house to the rich man and the poor man. Right. But another objection is answered in verses 10 and 11. One that I think uh, is more natural to us. You know, we may think, is partiality really that sinful? I mean, you know, James had a lot of space here to write about important things in this letter. You know, is partiality really that important? Is it really that sinful? Because when you think about the other commandments that he mentions here, like adultery, and murder, which are prohibited in the the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, when you compare partiality to those, the sin of partiality seems so small. doesn't seem like he should even be talking about it. It seems like he should be expounding what it means to uh, commit adultery or to murder and how to avoid that. Right. (laughs) But the point is, 
the sin of partiality is just as evil. It's mm-hmm. just as detestable in God's sight. You know, if sins were all skyscrapers and we were looking at them from below, we would probably see murder, theft, and adultery as very tall skyscrapers, very tall, big sins. And partiality, from our perspective, is at best maybe a storage shed in comparison. But James says, no, that's not the case. Committing the sin of partiality is just as abominable in God's sight as violating all of the commandments. Right. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, if we think that partiality is less sinful than other evils, we're actually committing partiality all over yeah. again. We're being impartial to the sin of partiality. Mm-hmm. And so James is using a lot of argument, a lot of logic, a lot of illustration here just to help us understand that this is something that absolutely should not mark the life of a genuine believer. Right. Yeah. Chris is going to elaborate on this a little more. So go ahead, brother. Yeah. I like how you were talking about that at at the beginning. There's no love in partiality at all. Correct. And and unconditional love, as we see in scripture, is wanting the best for everyone. And people kind of cringe sometimes when I say that in church, uh, because, you know, do we really want the best for a sinful world? We want them to come to their knees and, and repent, but I'll, I'll get to what that means, wanting the best for everyone. But we should want the best for everyone in love. The ones that hate you, the ones that think differently than you, the ones that are rich, the ones that are poor. This covers all of humanity. We should want the best, and the best is a relationship with Jesus, that we should share Jesus with everyone. But what happens when you show partiality is you alienate one group of people from being able to look towards you to hear the gospel. And that's what we as Christians are called to do. We're called to go out and make disciples of the world. We're called to be a light shining on a hill and present the gospel to this lost and dying world. And when we let favoritism, when we let this partiality get in the way, we're cutting groups of people off and saying, you are not good enough for the gospel. And a hard truth that we need to swallow is that we are not good enough. You are not good enough for the gospel. We are not good enough for the gospel We're imperfect. We're flawed. But thank God that he loves us so much that even though we didn't deserve his good news, we didn't deserve his salvation, that we were nasty, dirty sinners. In fact, Brother Brandon said that our our opening should be welcome sinners. Uh, (laughs) And that's technically correct because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't deserve his salvation, but he didn't show partiality in that. He didn't look at himself and say, I am so good and I am above sin and sin cannot be in my presence. Therefore, I will condemn all of humanity and not give them a way to experience my love as he could have rightly done so. He looked at us with compassion and love and said, they don't deserve it, but I love them and I'm going to give Mm. them salvation anyway through Jesus Christ. And, And so there's no love in partiality. And that's why God is not partial because God is 
love. That's what John says Amen. in First John chapter 4. But now we conclude with verse, verses 12 through 13. And James says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I think it's just simple here what he says. Live a life of mercy. When we are judged in the aspect of those that are Christians, those that have been redeemed in Christ, the law of Moses isn't going to be held against us because we've been forgiven of all of our sins. All of our lawless deeds and transgressions, they are remembered no more. Therefore, the law has no hold over us. The book will not be thrown at us. The letter will not be used against us, but we're under the law of liberty. It's going to be applied to us. That grace that we didn't deserve is going to be given to us. And I really like this portion of Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 that Paul wrote and said, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. And here's a little bit of partiality right here in this. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, but perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. <laughs> and so we yeah. see the partiality right there in that in humanity. This isn't saying that God is partial. This is saying, this is Paul examining how humans would do things. One person would, would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if he could die for a world of lost sinners, dirty, ragged sinners, then why wouldn't we be able to reach out to the dirtiest, vilest of humanity? There's there's a lot to to take in on that. There's a lot to to apply to our lives when it comes to the mercy of God. But if God is merciful, to us, we should be merciful to others. Brother Brandon, uh, that's pretty much my conclusion to this. I probably could do a whole nother podcast on just mercy, but do you have any absolutely remarks for that? Sure. So again, James is so helpful here um, in assisting us in overcoming this sin and he gives us one final word of application to help us overcome this sin of partiality in verses 12 and 13, which Chris already elaborated on. He says, look, if you don't want partiality to creep up in your life, be merciful. Mm -hmm. Be merciful to everyone. Show mercy. And he says, you need to understand that this is important because you as a believer are being judged by the law of liberty. And basically what that means is, you know, we've been set free from sin as believers. Mm -hmm. uh, we have liberty from the bondage of sin. And because we're free from bondage to iniquity, more is expected of us. Yes. Like we're not that. in sin's prison cell anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, if anybody needs to be marked by love and mercy and free of partiality, it's those who have been set free from sin. Amen. Yes. And so we need to love and show mercy because we're being judged uh, based on 
the reality of the gospel. God is holding us accountable as believers even more because we've been redeemed and set free from sin. And so again, he just tells us we need to show mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is not quick to judge the way partiality is. So we need to turn the other cheek. We need to treat people equally, forgive, help in a time of need, love unconditionally, love sacrificially. Let's understand that showing mercy is really the antidote to partiality. You know, it's the flesh on the bones of love, and mercy is like a blazing sun that melts the wax of partiality. So helpful, so very helpful in assisting us in overcoming this sin of partiality. James, he's, he's covered every base. He's covered all the ground in helping us to be free of this pernicious partiality. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for that, brother. I uh, really enjoyed recording this episode with you today. Absolutely. I to thank everyone else for joining us on the Faith 168 podcast. Again, if you enjoyed the study today, consider writing a review for us on whatever streaming service you were listening to. And I want to encourage you, as, as well as Brother Brandon would love to encourage you to go out and live faithfully for Christ this week. And we will see you again in 168 hours. Brother Brandon, will you end us in prayer this morning? Absolutely. Our Father, we thank you that you are an impartial God that you are unbiased, unprejudiced, and that you have shown us mercy. And we just simply pray that you might strengthen us and enable us to show love and mercy to everyone, especially to the household of God and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray that uh, if this sin of partiality creeps up in our lives, that, that you might take the axe of your grace and cut it off at the root. And help us to live faithfully this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations. And we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast. And send us a message. It can be a prayer request, or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.